This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to Total Saints Podcast. My name is Ben Stanfield and we're the weekly podcast that goes to the heart of all things Southampton Football Club. We're again live streaming this on Facebook, Twitter, Twitch and YouTube. If you're watching along on Sunday night, then please do drop a comment, question or opinion through to us in the respective chat boxes. As always, this podcast would be nothing without our wonderful TSP patrons who underpin everything we do. To find out more about becoming a patron, you can visit patreon.com slash Total Saints podcast. I'm delighted to have a couple of new TSP patrons to shout out in this week's episode. Firstly, Dan Beggs, who joined our Bobby Stokes tier. Dan, welcome and thanks for your support. Also, Andy Hollis, who has signed up to our Francis Benali tier. Andy, likewise, a big thanks to yourself. And for those that enjoy interesting and well-written blogs, Andy has his own themed mainly around Saints. You can find it at sporttato, which is S-P-O-R-T-A-T-O.net. So why not check it out after you've read Glenn's latest instalment, obviously. (laughs) Continuing the intimations, we're delighted to again have Pundit Games sponsoring this week's episode. Pundit is a brand new card-based football game that you can play literally anywhere, at home, on an aeroplane, or on the beach. You can play as a group or just in a pair. Rounds last about 45 minutes, and there's 900 questions covering a variety of footballing themes, including the good old days of the 90s Premier League and also the England national team. Pundit are offering TSP listeners 20% off their purchase when using the code SAINTS. Just visit punditgames.co.uk for further details, enter the code as you check out, and then happily play away. You can also find a link to the Pundit website in the YouTube and podcast description. Right, on this week's episode, Ruben Sellers gets the managerial gig at SAINTS until the end of the season. It's muchos gracias from Javier as SAINTS provide Leeds United with their first Premier League win since Bonfire Night. And we look ahead to the opening two fixtures of this week, Grimsby Town in the FA Cup and Leicester City in the Premier League. Joining me on the pod are Steve Grant, the owner of Saints Web, Glenda LaCour, the man behind the League 1-10 blog, and Alfie House, the Daily Echo's Southampton FC reporter. Also, as long as everything goes to plan, we'll welcome Alex from the DN35 podcast later, who'll give us some expert insight on Grimsby Town ahead of that FA Cup tie. 
So let's get cracking, underpinned by our superstar TSP patrons. This is episode 223 of the Total Saints podcast. Your home for everything Southampton FC. From dedicated Saints insight to exclusive interviews. Live on YouTube every Sunday and available to download wherever you listen to your podcasts. This is the Total Saints podcast. Let's begin with the big news for this week. The permanent appointment of Ruben Sellers as Saints manager initially on a contract until the end of this season. Alfie, the chaps discussed to a point or not to a point now a fair bit on last week's podcast. But given you weren't on, what was your view on the decision to indeed formalise Ruben's role as manager until the end of 2022-23? Yeah, I think I said when it was confirmed that maybe it, it feels a little bit premature because it was just off the back of one, you know, a very emotional victory at Stamford Bridge. But I think it, it was about more than that. Obviously, it was about um, the internal support that he had, you know, in terms of the players really like him. They feel that he plays the way that they want to. So when you've left yourself with very little options at the end of February and you're, you're pretty much going down, if you don't do something immediately, then it perhaps is the best choice available. And we'll discuss the Leeds game in a minute with the, the guys, Stephen Glenn as well. But um your personal assessment of him as a person? How have you sort of found the way that he handles the media and, you know, how does he interact with you, for example? He's a very polite individual. So, you know, we have no issue with that. He's, um, he's obviously is very different to Nathan Jones. I think Nathan Jones was good with the media in terms of like a bit of a jostle, but he is a, a complete opposite. He comes out, shakes hands, says hello, says thank you. But he's he's very straight and narrow with his answers. Um, you know, he, he doesn't like to give much away. I think Adam Blackmore asked him if he's superstitious. Um, and he said, well, it's not relevant, but no, I'm not. And just immediately sort of shut it down. So, um. Yeah, maybe he's a little bit nervous into the role at first or trying to play that calm character, but maybe we'll get a bit more out of him as we go forward. Yeah. And Steve, just to close off that conversation from last week, um, Saints have often been accused of maybe acting a bit slowly and, and not making decisions quickly enough in the past. Um, you know, Are you pleased that they have made a, a swift decision here and kind of given Ruben and the players a bit of clarity going forward? Or you know, the fact that it's maybe just after one game, as you guys discussed last week, is a bit too uh, hasty in the end? Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of still stand by the view that I put last week that I kind of thought we might at least give him two or three games. I mean, at the end of the day, it's not like someone else is coming in and swooping to take him away from us at this stage. And nor is it that we've got sort of three or four alternative options lined up. So it was kind of implied that he was he was in situ anyway. It kind of didn't really need a separate contract and therefore the sort of permanency that, that the appointment kind of gives. And I mean, we'll never know whether that, whether there's any correlation um, between him being given the permanent job and the performance we kind of spat out um, onto that pitch uh, yesterday afternoon, but it was all suddenly back to being very flat again, wasn't it? You don't want the scenario to be that, well, the, the guy that was the caretaker and wasn't, wasn't kind of the guy in sort of proper charge being a little bit freer with with everything and and then all of a sudden he's given the job permanently and it all everyone goes back it sort of reverts back to to the sort of lethargic performances that we've seen before but I mean kind of that's that's kind of the reality that we saw yesterday at Ellen Road really unfortunately and it's I mean I mean the club has, has nowhere to go now they've made the appointment and regardless of how it goes I think there's there's no option to stick by it now. Yeah. And Glenn, look, there's still um, you know, a fair bit of water to go under the bridge until the end of the season, certainly in, in terms of games. But do you think, um, we obviously don't know the conversations that have happened behind walls, but I suppose just to finish this little bit on sellers, do you think it's as simple for him as keep the team in the Premier League and you probably get a longer term shot of the job or not? Um, I, w- I would say so. I think he has to make a positive impression, regardless of whether we 
stay up or go down, I don't think he's got a chance now. To be honest, if, if he's going to, you know, if he's got to keep us up, I, I don't think. I think that I think that ship has sailed. To be honest, mm. and certainly do after yesterday, he's got to have a positive impact for his own future career. Be that with us or be that with someone else. Um, if he if he does really well and we get relegated on goal difference, having got thirty nine points or something, then he will probably be our manager for next season. But the way things are going at the moment, we we could end up getting relegated with 20, 21 points, in which case, you know, no one's going to have been done any favours by, uh, by this appointment. But uh, I don't think, I don't think the, I think the board were grasping at anything positive, which mm. the, the Chelsea game was. And as I said last week, I don't think they had a lot of choice because of the, you know, you're not going to get a decent long-term candidate bearing in mind where we are in the league and how many mm. games there are left, which is probably a lot of why Jesse Marsh wasn't interested in doing it, mm. ultimately, because he just thought it was too big a job. But um, So, yeah, we'll just have to have to see how it goes and uh, hopefully he can um, he can surprise even the uh, negative old cynics like me. <laughs> um, unfortunately, we've uh, sort of uh, got to the Leeds game now. That was as many questions as I had on Ruben Sellers. I feel like we need to, to get to it now. But, yeah, let's have a, a chat about uh, his opening fixture as manager officially uh, up at Leeds United. Um, of course, also making his managerial debut in the opposition dugout was Javi Gracia. Ironically, his first ever game as Watford manager was against Saints in January 2018. But we managed to win that uh, 1-0. So for, fast forward five years and he got his own back on us uh, yesterday. Um, Steve, not for the first time this season, a, a really poor day at the office and a major step backwards after that result at Chelsea last week. Yeah, it was just limp. Leeds had energy. Um, as to be fair, they've had, they've had most of the season. They, I said this when, when we were talking about potentially appointing Marsh, was that their performances under him were actually fine. It was just, it was literally the, the sort of binary stuff that happens at both ends, both, in, both ends of the pitch that they, they struggled with. And a lot of that is, is down to individuals and, and Leeds were energetic. I mean, again, they didn't create huge chances. I mean, Bazunu's not been, not been forced into a huge amount, but unfortunately they've, they've taken the one, the one chance that's, that slipped through where, I mean, Bednarek's basically made himself the size of his own heart. Um, <laughs> and Bazunu's not helped himself either. And it's and yeah, as a, as a result of that, um, we've ended up losing a game where it's, it, it's one of those actually that, despite playing terribly for pretty much the whole game, we actually probably should have come out with come out of it with a point because other than that, that was not they didn't really have an awful lot. It was mm. it was a lot of energy and and yeah, as as a, as as Leeds have shown all season, not not a huge amount of quality in in the penalty area. So yeah, frustrating that we've that we've let them score. Um, equally frustrating that despite their terrible defensive record, we've we've barely laid a glove on them. Um, mm. I don't think Meslier had a had a save to make in anger, really. So yeah, another bad day at the office. And I mean, you you just look at the look at the team lineup. I think when when you saw it when you saw it against Chelsea, everyone thought, oh god, what are we doing? But actually, that a lot of those a lot of those picks kind of made sense in the context of playing a team that was likely to be attacking us and is full of full of quality. Um, in that part of the pitch, Leeds don't quite have that that same sort of star appeal. Um, they're a team that build a lot more through midfield and from the fullbacks, and yet we still stuck with the narrow formation. We still stuck with still stuck with Elianusi, um, who's good, who's generally good against the against the better sides. But when we need to be a little bit more positive, he's he's found wanting. Stu Armstrong had an absolute shocker yesterday. And we're playing um, Sulemana as a as a striker, despite the fact I think he scored like four career goals. 
Mm. And yeah, we're just it's it's kind of the same mistakes that that Ralph was making earlier in the season. A lot of square pegs in round holes, wanting to play a certain system, um, come what may, regardless of relative strengths or weaknesses of the of the opposition and strengths and weaknesses of the players available. And yeah, just just really frustrating. It it just felt kind of felt avoidable really mm. Glenn I was going to come to you but um, I'll, I'll hold that thought just because of uh, the, the point Steve was making there I can see our FPL SWAT here just got back from Leeds two poor sides but we weren't good enough Tall Paul and Solomano off very little Armstrong was off it and Moy was poor so that kind of backs up what you said there um, Glenn I'm going to come back to you in a minute um, Alfie Phil Hay, who's the athletics sort of Leeds version of Jacob, had tweeted on Wednesday, uh, and I'm quoting this, part of Javi Gracia's presentation to Leeds included an analysis of Southampton's win over Chelsea last weekend because he knew this Saturday's game at Ellen Road was crucial and make the job very well. Kind of building on what Steve said there, given we did play the same starting lineup against Chelsea as we did against Leeds, which I know hasn't happened very often and is probably understandable. Did it did it kind of feel almost like that statement that Leeds were absolutely prepared for the way we were going to play, how to mitigate our, our sort of limited attacking threat and nullified everything we tried at source? Yeah, Jacob will be absolutely buzzing with that description of Phil Hay, um, by the way. Uh, yeah, it did a little bit. As, as Steve mentioned, I can, I can fully understand why as an interim manager... You then take your job, you you, know, you you win your big game, you get the job, you would then choose the same 11 players. I fully understand that and I was all behind that. But I said at the time, you have to then show different strengths. The idea that, that you know, the, the game that Moyo Yanusi and Stuart Armstrong played, I, I couldn't tell you what they did, really. I couldn't tell you what they did. And clearly, they knew how to mark Paul Anuachu. You know, he had a really good game against Chelsea, won everything. I don't think he won a single thing on, on Saturday yesterday. Um, so clearly, they, they, they'd worked on it. And yeah, you just felt that at no point in that game were Southampton in it. And at the end, you know, full time, so many statistics came out. It's not just about one game. It's not just about this issue. It's, you know, they've scored no more than two goals in any Premier League game this season. They've lost, I think, 10 games by one goal, um, which actually we spoke to Ruben Sellers about. And he said that it's a mark of the fact they're they're in the game. But it's all well and good being in the game. And that is a philosophy that I, I, I do agree are we, with. Are we in the game? Yeah. No, it's, uh, I say, no, it's a philosophy I agree with. If you're if you're a goal, you know, goal out or you're nil-nil, then you are in the game. You have a chance. But if you don't ever like offering anything, then what's the point? Yeah. They're never going to be. They're never going to score yesterday. They were never well, going to score. scored nineteen and twenty-four. So it's sides know that they can just get one goal against us and then sit back. Yeah, mm. and we'll always we'll always throw one in. <laughs> right. you know. And this, this is the thing: if you can't keep you know two clean sheets, the fewest in the Premier League. If you can't keep a clean sheet and you can't score a goal, the whole idea of going and trying to get a nil-nil and staying in the game and, and doing what Ralph Hasnell did at the start of the season, which is trying to edge games at the end, is never going to work because you've already chucked it by then. Mm. So I just felt that perhaps there was a little bit of a reset needed, a bit of a. You know, look at Leeds. They hadn't won since November. Go to Ellen Road. The crowd were nervy. They were frustrated. The referees started giving decisions Southampton's way and the, the crowd were getting on him and they weren't happy. Mm. You just attack, attack, attack and you, you have a chance, but they never liked doing anything yesterday. Mm. And and that's led me nicely into Glenn's question. So thanks, Alfie. This is seamless tonight. Honestly, it's like a bunch of professionals because, uh, <laughs> Glenn, I, I was going to say, I mean, we were talking just briefly before we came on air. I saw a couple of journalists, not necessarily local journalists, even national media ones saying that it felt like Saints had pretty much tried to settle on a draw from the, the off and try and pinch anything they could set pieces. And, you know, that that's kind of the frustrating thing because as Alfie said there, I mean, Leeds obviously were were up for it. The, fact, the, the fans were up for it. But likewise, you knew that they were probably vulnerable as well if you could take the games to them. And, you know, it's hard to sort of get back into a game when you're you're behind but it was just that that toothless uh, attacking again that was really frustrating it's the it's the approach that we we've had three managers this season and there were three games that stand out for me Villa away they hadn't won for something like nine games and Gerard got sacked virtually straight afterwards we went went to that Ralph took us to that one Nathan Jones against Nottingham Forest 
at home when they, they had scored one away goal all season mm-hmm. and Ruben Sellers at lead. So it's three different managers, three different opponents, all on dreadful runs. We've lost every game 1-0 and we've set up not to lose every one mm-hmm. of those sort of six-pointer games. So we've set up not to lose with a team that can't keep clean sheets and we've, we've offered no attacking threat. And against Leeds, you know, we, we pick Suleimana and Onuachu because they're our best two strikers, low bar, admittedly. And we let the goal in 78 minutes and we're left with Elianusi, Theo Walcott, Sekumara, and we've pushed James Ward-Prowse forward. It was so disappointing. And, uh, you know, Alfie made a point about, um, you know, Ruben Sellers, you can understand him because he's, it's his second game as caretaker manager. I don't care. He hasn't got time. He hasn't got time to learn on the job. He's got to make positive decisions straight away. As soon as I saw it was the same lineup as Chelsea, I was, I was thinking, this is a completely different assignment. Mm-hmm. You know, as Steve said, Chelsea are a, are a team. Yeah, they're in a spot of bother at the moment, but they're packed with good individuals. So what you have to do is, you know, you have to keep the space tight and make them try and combine and, you know, and, and that, that's a good way to play against against that Chelsea team. This Leeds team and the Villa team and the Forest team, you, you've got to, they're, they're down on their luck. They're really down on confidence. They're not very good. You've got to go at them. I mean, I thought Leeds were dreadful, to be honest. Mm. Yes, as Steve said, high energy. I thought they were dreadful. It should have been a nil-nil draw, even regardless of how bad we are. And I would say Leeds will go down. You know, they'll, they'll be down there with us and Bournemouth at the end of the season. Keep and the comments lively. Everton will be, Everton will be thereabouts as well. It was just so poor. Yeah, again, Steve touched on this. We, you know, we've we've signed Suleiman and we're playing him as a striker. Really, he had a good game against Wolves, didn't he? And he looked dangerous in that one. But and <laughs> when we signed Paul Onuachu, he is what he is. He's a six foot seven striker. Strikers that big aren't going to be quick. We've got to play to his strengths. He's not going to adapt and play. And you know, he's not suddenly going to be dropping deep and picking up the ball in the number ten position you know, and, and r- turning around and running at defenders. That, that's not his game. How many crosses did we get in from the wide positions? I counted mm. two mm. and they were both crap. Straight mm. miles over his head. One from Perro, one from more Prowsable people. Just how difficult is it to hit a six foot seven striker? It's like kicking a ball at a lighthouse for God's we've, sake. We've picked, I think we've picked him out with one cross in three and a half games. Yeah, the, against Chelsea. <laughs> one against Chelsea. And nearly yeah, won, yeah. Yeah. won that burst. Yeah, yeah. 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 So you've, yeah. Signed, you've signed this guy. So play to his strengths. Get some people down the line. To, to get crosses in, be it the be it the fullbacks um, or the or, you know or the wide players, but you know not, Ellie Nussi and Armstrong were both awful as we've discussed. Mm. Um, Maitland Niles had a good game against Chelsea, but reverted to type yesterday. We've got Carl Walker Peters sat on the bench, easily our best fullback. Get him on the pitch on the right hand side, and then we might actually get something going going we forward. Took, we took Perrault off again. Hmm. Yeah, left Just... Maitland left Maitland Niles on. Yeah, unbelievable. Then he contributed to the, you know, he was one of the dopey defenders wandering over to um, whoever it was out in the wing, mm. you know, when when the goal went in. And yeah, it's just, you know, too many players in that team have the odd good game and we kind of think, oh, maybe they've turned a corner. I mean, Bazunu is is one. Mm-hmm. Bednarek had a half decent game last week against Chelsea, and there were there were times against Leeds where I thought, um, yeah, he's he, you know he got up close to Bamford a couple of times, and but then when you look at the the double mistake where he tried to give a goal away in the first half, and I think there were two mistakes by him in the in in the goal. You know, you you can't rely on him to have any any period of time in the team without 
dropping something horrendous. So mm. I thought it was a very, very bad day for, for Ruben Sellers. And um and he is he has got to learn quickly. Otherwise, mm. you know, as as discussed, his um his record is not going to look terribly good at the uh, at the end of the season. Mm. I can see Ellie here saying, so, so tired of players not giving 100%. You could tell which team cared the most from minute one. Spoiler, it wasn't us. Steve, I started, uh, I saw Jacob had uh, said he watched the whole game back today, which I thought, blimey, that's a, a good effort. But I, uh, I started watching the goal and trying to make notes on uh, sort of all the errors in the in the goal, Steve, and ran out, I think my pen ran out of ink in the end. But um, kind of talk us through it from your point of view as a Saints fan. I mean, it's just at Premier League level, it's just sort of, Sham, sort of shambolic after shambolic error, really. That was just basics. The fact that I mean, you got one guy in the corner, in the corner, who's basically only trying. The, the only ambition he has at that point when he gets the ball is, okay, can I win a corner here? <laughs> and we've somehow contrived to let him pass the ball through three of us, and give give another another of his teammates a, a free run into the penalty area because Maitland Nards had got himself the wrong side, so he he couldn't put the challenge in. Otherwise, it would have been a. Uh, guaranteed penalty but even even from then uh, like I mean if Bednarek um, takes literally takes one step forward then he probably just blocks the shot and we get away with it because it was a terrible shot mm. which you would expect <laughs> from your from from a left back who's never never scored on a, his right foot yeah on his wrong on his weaker foot you got a left back who most Leeds fans would say shouldn't be anywhere near their team mm-hmm. and yet we've let him scuff one in and all of a sudden he's now the hero and yeah, we've and we've somehow managed to gift them gift them um, a goal. I mean, I would imagine the point at which that ball crosses the line, it must have been it must have been on the ground in dead center of the goal, mm. and mm. somehow we've let we've let a pea roller um, <laughs> yeah. just going at going at five miles an hour. Yeah, it's, uh, it's just <laughs> pathetic. And... The Leeds reporters, Ellen Road, were absolutely bamboozled that Junior Firpo scored a goal. They couldn't yeah. believe what they'd seen. Mm. it sums it all up really doesn't it but I saw uh, Barry uh, here and Barry just for the record we were talking about this before we came on air the goal was a catalogue of errors but very few seem to have noticed that Walcott didn't track back uh, to get Firpo and uh, we were just talking about that before we came on air the fact that there's three of them out there in the corner flag one being him and uh, he sort of uh, you know ends up uh, marking no one as Firpo runs past him um, I, I suppose that's the thing Alfie isn't it really you, you know it's not just the goals they're letting in but the fact that um, I think as, as tweeted out on the social media last night you know that's now Everton at home they've lost two Wolves home and away, uh, Forest they obviously lost to Leeds away. You know, it's the they're losing to teams around them, and ultimately, probably at the end of the season, as you guys have been chatting about for the last few weeks, it's not winning or losing at Chelsea that's going to make the difference. It's these games that are going to be the deciders. Yeah, that'll be the difference. And I think the biggest problem that these these players and Ruben Sellers and everybody at the club will face now is that there is quite clearly a culture of fear that has invaded. And maybe it's even the higher reaches of the club as well. Maybe they're scared too because. You know, Rav Hasnall's biggest downfall was fear. He stopped playing the way he wanted to play, stopped playing the way he should play because he was too scared of losing his job, too scared of losing matches. They 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 didn't find a way to stop losing matches. Nathan Jones was was just scared of the job in the first place. He was never going to instill instill confidence in the players. And I look, you mentioned, you know, they played the team that are nineteenth, I think, three times. They've lost one 0 every single time. Um, they go, but they beat Chelsea. You know, they'll beat Chelsea twice. Uh, you know, they, they beat Everton, given that. But when two bad teams play each other, fifty percent chance you win. And they, they did win that one, so fair play. Whenever the big moment comes, they, they give themselves a platform. The big moment comes, and they're scared. And those sort of errors only happen when you're afraid. You know, mm. for me, it's, it must. It's, it's not concentration. They must. They are trying. There's 100 percent effort there. I fully believe that. You look at a team. It's 11 decent players. You know, with the exception of maybe a couple that you, you probably wouldn't have in your first team. But the players individually are good. So why are they by far and away the worst team in the league? It's because mm. they're too afraid to play. 
Yeah. In terms of consistency, I can see Nipper R here. As a Leeds fan, uh, as I saw it, we were all over you in the second half, but you're right, both sides were poor. The problem we have is we can't finish. Glenn, look, we do try oh, to find that. positives on the podcast. You know, I, I know it's easier said than done sometimes. And I, I feel, you know, in Martin's absence, I want to try and be positive. But does, does it feel like the writing's on the wall? I mean, I don't want to use the yeah. R word, but I mean, was yesterday, yeah. pre- I, I think we used season defining yesterday, didn't we? I mean, is that the end, do you think? Well, for, for those of you who are old enough to remember when we got relegated in 2005, we it, there's so many parallels with this season, right? You know, three managers for one thing, and not winning any of the games against the teams in the bottom half. And we're doing exactly the same thing. Uh, we also probably coincidentally have ended up with a similar problem in that both in 2005 and now we've got about 31 players in the first team squad, well over half of them aren't good enough. Mm-hmm. So there, there are there are a lot a lot of um, a lot of similarities and I just I mean a rough guess we need probably need to win at least five probably six games out of the remaining 14 and the 30 fixtures then yeah I thought that you know at some point we're going to have to win sort of three games in a row or or win two and you know get a draw at least go unbeaten for a few games and obviously time is running out and I thought this is uh, an ideal opportunity to go to Leeds, make a bit of a statement. And I thought if we'd won at Leeds, we would have had a genuine chance of mm. of keeping out of it. Because, you know, we got fixtures coming up against Man United, Man City, I think Arsenal are coming up fairly soon as well. So the fixtures, and, you know, as we as we touched on, we, we beat Chelsea, but they're a bit of a special case this season, aren't they? Because they're, they're a bit of a shambles. They're just sort of throwing players at the wall with a manager who's not really... Um, doesn't really seem comfortable there. So, you know, will we get a result against any of the big teams? I don't know. I mean, I'd, I'd say it was certainly a lot easier to get a result against Leeds than it will than it will be against Manchester City or Manchester United in a couple of weeks' time. Mm. So, it, it, it's a it's a bit of a mystery to it's a bit of a miracle actually that we're still in touch because to, for me we deserve to be <laughs> ten points adrift. Yeah. Um, it, it's a little bit more. So. You know, there's we that, could, that many and that's the one teams. Yeah, yeah. Some, someone could stay out this year. Yeah, someone could stay out this year with like thirty-three points or something mm-hmm. like that. But we, we don't deserve to stay up. We we don't deserve to get out of the bottom three. And and performances like like yesterday and those other ones I mentioned earlier, they they're the reason why we just we just mm-hmm. don't look like we've got it in us. But I still believe there's a there's a half decent side. In, there is a half. In, that, yeah, in that there squad. are players there that other teams in the Premier League will lick yeah. their lips mm, when they get mm. to pick them apart in the summer. Yeah, but do. we've got we've players. got we've got to let the handbrake off in some mm. of the in these games against the teams who are not in the you know not top of the table sides. We've got to let the handbrake off and have you know Suleiman on one wing, Adozi on the other wing, whatever. Okay, so so maybe maybe they're not the best defensively, but let's go. You know. Let, Get Che Adams up front with Paul and see what you know. See what happens. Let's um, get Alcaraz in the team mm-hmm. somewhere. Mm-hmm. You know he's a player who's got a goal in him. So you know he scored scored the goal in that game and he hasn't played since. Yeah. It just seems it just seems mental the the way the way we seem so frightened of putting the you know the the, the flair players in the team. You have got to have at least four players in my view who are going to pose some sort of attacking threat at the other end of the. At the you know at the the front end of the pitch, mm. otherwise we're just going to c- carry on like this, losing games one nil. That'll be the end of that. 
Yeah. I can see Ben here saying, uh, I still have hope. Just every game from now till the end of the season is massive. But if we manage a win against Leicester and some of the other games go for us, which is kind of what you guys were alluding to there around points, then I feel much better. Steve, just briefly before we go on to chat about uh, Grimsby, do you, do you agree with Glenn or do you see any hope? <sighs> I mean, on, while, positive. While, <laughs> yeah. At the end of the day, while it's mathematically yeah. still available, yeah. then yeah, I mean, there's there's still hope. But... I mean, we have demonstrated on occasion this season that we can string string a performance together, but we've got to help ourselves. Um, and that comes with, as Glenn, Glenn says, team selections. The team selection has got to be to fit the to fit the opponent. You've got to you've got to be kind of set up in a way that you're you're able to hurt these teams. And and as we said, the going with the same lineup for Chelsea away compared to Leeds away. Um, when we've got so many different players who can do so many different things, whose strengths and weaknesses are so varied, um, it's lunacy. Absolutely no way that we that we should be setting up in in that sort of low low block, um, low block but theoretically high energy um, setup. And that I mean that's that's one complete difference as well. In that we we set up the same eleven yesterday compared to last Saturday away at Chelsea first hour or so we were really really energetic pressing pressing high and winning the ball quite often in their half and causing them problems on the turnovers i mean we we won the ball off them in in their half what twice i think yesterday mm. barely po- barely posed a threat for them against a fan base that was obviously mm. nervous would have got pretty riled up if we'd scored i suspect because yeah they leads leads fans i mean leads are leads are a big decent sized club and and they will understand we have sort of Feelings that they should be better than us and should be mm. should be turning us over, given that we're bottom of the table and and can barely buy a win from anywhere. So we've we've not helped ourselves, and so much of this has been completely self-inflicted. Whether it's been actually on the pitch in the ninety minutes or off it with team selections, tactics, um, sort of work on the training ground, and I mean, obviously, for the, the previous three months, managerial appointment. Mm. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Well, yeah, let's see how uh, things go. But thanks for all the comments. I've got to say there's so many coming in. So apologies, I can't uh, keep up with all of them. But obviously we will try and uh, read them out. But uh, next up for Saints is the visit to St Mary's of Lee 2 side Grimsby, who overcame Luton Town in the previous round with what sounded like an aggressive and front-footed 3-0 win. I'm delighted to say that joining us to provide the inside view on the Mariners is Alex from the DM35 podcast. Um, Alex, thanks for checking into TSP this evening. Bloody hell, lads. You keep it light, won't you? 
God. <laughs> enjoyed it in the <laughs> green room. Jesus. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like Dorkin fans. <laughs> Grimsby are currently 16th in League Two after a two-all draw against top of the table Leighton Orient yesterday, Alex, and uh, obviously enjoying a good FA Cup run this season as well. Um, tell us a little bit about 2022-23, how it's been going, a little bit about your team and, and maybe some of the players. On, no one from Saints listens to this, so you don't need to worry. Any of the players that we might want to uh, watch out for? Uh, yeah, it's uh, we came up a season too early. Anyone who was lucky enough to watch the uh, playoff campaign know that we were pretty much a decent knockout team, which is why we probably find ourselves in the fifth round of the cup. We what beat Wrexham 5-4. Um, we beat uh, Notts County with a couple of minutes to go. They were still 1-0 up. Uh, and then we beat Solihull Moors, who have a player who's like seven foot twelve or something like that, <laughs> and we beat him by running through him and knocking him unconscious, which was hilarious. Other than that, um, we've come up a season too early, and as such, we probably don't have everything in place, which is why we find ourselves in sixteenth. Um, we're pretty decent against a team who wants to have the ball. Anyone who puts ten men behind the ball, and we're absolutely snookered. Uh, we really do struggle in breaking anyone down, which is why. Yeah, true. <laughs> well, I'm, well, that's a compliment and an half. If you guys are <laughs> the corner going, oh, this is Grimsby. <laughs> we are, we are, Alex. <laughs> good, good. I like the idea that you're the, um, you know, the the Simpson meme of stop. He's already dead. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty um, much. Uh... Um, yeah, we we. We're, we're pretty decent when it's like that. So Luton gave us far too much respect. The FA Cup run has been pretty phenomenal, actually. I think the FA Cup treats us with disrespect. If we ever win that piece of tin, which this season, three games from Europe or whatever it is they keep singing, I would do what Sergio Ramos did and run it over with a bus. But um, <laughs> um, we got Plymouth, who are the hardest team to get in the first round, running away with League One, smashed them 5-1, then beat Cambridge, then beat Burton, then beat Luton. All you know, all these money money making ties, uh, and then we come to Southampton with all you know due disrespect, um, as <laughs> as everybody says. But um, it'll be it'll be nice. It's one of the few teams we haven't played in my my living memory of supporting. Town. Yeah, yeah, likewise. Yeah, forty five years. I was doing my research. Yeah, yeah only years, yeah. only Man United have been hiding away for for longer. Um, <laughs> maybe, so... maybe you'll get them in the next round. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, and I saw. Yeah, I, I saw there's about 4,000 of you coming down, isn't there? So yeah. obviously it's kind of captured the imagination. I mean, 500 mile round trip on a, a midweek is fair play. There's not there's not much to there's not much to do in Grimsby, um, but um, in in all honesty, um, we do travel really well. We take roughly a thousand to most games because again, there's nothing to do. But four thousand midweek. I mean, even I'm in Hampshire, so I'm pretty lucky compared to the rest of them. But the last train home from what London to London is what 10 o'clock at night which even means then mm. the exiles who are up that way are struggling as well. But, um, you know, it'll be interesting. There'll be 4,000 or so. Uh, yeah, they'll make a load of noise. Thank you for letting us bring in inflatable fish. Unlike yeah, we'll Crystal... get on to him in a minute. Thank yep. you. <laughs> unlike, unlike Crystal Palace, who confiscated them all. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's good. Yeah. And it's it, this is a nice little distraction, but um, it's definitely playing on the players' minds, you know. Mm. There was there's there's been a few chances when you go oh, well your head's not here yet it's it's down down on the south coast picking out furniture in IKEA and then going off to play you <laughs> lot yeah and Glenn when when the draw was made quite a few expected it to be Saints and Nathan Jones against his old club Luton um, now of course neither of those factors are in play mm -hmm. Jones and or Luton so from a Saints point of view what are you expecting from this game uh, I'm expecting us to to rest a few players because we've simply because we've got. Well, we haven't got a, a good, a best first eleven as we've as we've discussed, but we we've got a number of players who are not playing at the moment. So, 
in a 31-man squad, I think it is. So I imagine there'll be there'll be quite a few changed, and that won't be out of any disrespect to the opposition. I just think that'll be, that'll be that's just the way it goes these days. We made um, six changes for Man City as well, didn't we? So it's yeah. it's not a yeah, yeah it's not based yeah. on the oppo. So um, yeah, we did we did kind of think when when the draw came out that the, obviously the in, at, at the time we'd already given up on Nathan Jones and thought he was hopeless. So we thought it might be the um, the, the final nail in the coffin if he gets beaten by the Luton team that he um, he keeps going keeps going on about. But it was a very impressive win by uh, by uh, by Grimsby against Luton. Mm. So uh, yeah, fair play. And I, I have to admit I've um, I forgot that that you got promoted out the National League last year. So, uh, so it's a, yeah, it's a tremendous achievement by Grimsby to get this far. And, uh, and uh, if you're playing anyone else, I'd, uh, I'd thoroughly want you to win. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Steve, I can see uh, Mark Richards has picked up on this as well. But uh, we mentioned there about 45 years. Of course, there are links between the two clubs because uh, when we won the FA Cup in 1976, our manager was Laurie McMenemy, who, of course, joined us from the Mariners. Um, and there's been a few players that have played for both teams during that time. I saw um, the late and great Kevin Moore was one of them. Does it, it, it makes it a bit more. We, we've spoken about Crystal Palace, haven't we, a lot over the last few years in Cups. Does it make it a little bit more interesting and fun when we come up against sides like Cambridge in the Carabao Cup earlier this season that we've not played, if ever, or, or years and years? Uh, yeah, it's a bit of a novelty factor. I mean, other than it being a midweek round, I think um, if you're playing away against these sort of sides, it's definitely a definitely a novelty because it's, it's quite often a new ground for a lot of people. I mean, I fortunately went to um, went to Grimsby up earlier earlier in the season. Saw saw a terrible nil nil draw against um, against Sutton. That was the worst game of football I've ever seen. <laughs> oh, it was, oh, it was garbage. Um, both both teams both teams lucky to get nil. If you're a team that's that's kind of, I mean, anywhere sort of mid tabley downwards in in the top flight, you always want kind of a home tie against a lower league opposition. Basically, the the lowest you could possibly get away with. And the draw has kind of come up trumps for us there. But you've you've still got a you still got that nagging feeling of oh god it's going to be that that horrible feeling when when they come and uh, come and do us on a, on our own patch i think if we if we were away then i think you can um you can kind of make certain allowances oh it's a tight pitch and the the atmosphere is going to be going to be up um up and sort of causing us problems and all this all the all the sort of cup clichés come out of the book don't they but you would you would think that that we should have have too much quality but at the end of the day, we've we've seen so often this season that we're pr- we're prone to just not showing up on the day. And I mean, look looking down Grimsby's results this season, both in cup and league. When you come up, when they come up against the better sides, that's when they turn up and they they get a result, and that's a concern um, <laughs> certainly. But we'll see. Yeah, I can see for, for a fan base that's uh, pretty broken at the moment, I can see lots of positive predictions about this game. So that's a good sign. But uh, Alex, look, just before we get your match prediction, yeah, tell us a little bit about Harry Haddock then, because obviously it sounded like Saints were party poopers initially. And uh, thankfully, in the interest of the, the crazy world we live in, they obviously have now decided that the uh, inflatables can come in. And uh, from, from what I understand, because I'm, I'm sure I read this somewhere recently, they, they've been quite a pivotal feature at a lot of your big games over the last few decades. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, firstly, um, so um, Kevin's brother, Dave, is our physio. Um, so um, he'll be on the pitch. He is, without a doubt, the hardest man in in, in the world. Uh, he never wears trousers. He will be wearing shorts, whatever the weather. Uh, Jim but, Joyce was like that. Yeah, he's he's incredible. But um, yeah, the Harry Haddock stuff is um, pretty interesting. I mean, it goes back to, you know, before my time when we played Wimbledon, when they were the, the so-called crazy gang and they took them, took them along then. Uh, and then they've come along in a couple of iterations every now and then. We we tend to have these sort of weird, weird trips where 
we went to Barnet. Unfortunately, some Forest fan, some some fan got kicked out of Forest Green, holding for the life of him, holding on with every sort of energy, every parting energy he had onto this inflatable football, and got kicked out while his face is going blue. It's an hilarious image. And then so we went, okay, well the next game we'll take a load of inflatables. They came along. Uh, we won three one against Barnet. I think. Um, uh, the third goal was Zimmer fr- inflatable Zimmer frame assisted because the keeper got wrapped up in it, <laughs> like the beach ball at Sunderland. Uh, yeah, exactly the same. And um, and then a steward got um, steward sued somebody for hitting him on the head with an inflatable shark. Um, so they banned the inflatables again. Which then we thought, well, what's that? We got drunk one night and we basically said, what's the stupidest, most irrelevant thing we could bring to a game that would then get look hilarious that they turn it away? So we raised about a thousand pound over two hours to buy a mariachi band and took that along instead to Barnet, um, which was, which was hilarious. But yeah, they, they come out every now and then, but I don't, I've got mine, but it's like, well, you know, it's just, a new, yeah, it's, it's not seen as often as we'd like to, because, you know, most people get drunk and then leave them in a bar or, you know, on a toilet somewhere. Uh, so um, yeah. yeah, it's, um, it's, it'll be nice. They'll be there now. That, but they, it's like they weren't all there at Luton. You know, it's only for you guys. You should feel honoured. We just turn up for yeah. the big games. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right, come on then. Before you go, let's give us your uh, your score prediction for the match. Then, actually, you can you can start us off, and then we'll always round everyone else. But how do you see the game going on Wednesday? I think we'll do all right. I think it'll be quite tight. Uh, I think we'll win three two. Three two. Yeah, good. All right then. Fair enough. Um, Alfie, let's go with you. What do you reckon? Yeah, I think there'll be opportunities for a few players who haven't played much, so I'd go comfortable two 0 win. You know when, Glenn? Um, I will refer back to our games where we've really struggled this year against Sheffield Wednesday and mm. Lincoln. And I'll go for a uh, a narrow 2-1 win, having gone behind. <laughs> Before I come to you, Steve, that's exactly what I, I wrote down here. I put, obviously, we won't make easy work of it. So a nervy 2-1 win. I, I agree with you, Glenn. Uh, Steve, to wrap up this uh, bit then, and uh, before we uh, leave Alex to enjoy a Sunday evening, what do you reckon? Um, oh, God. Yeah, I mean, I... <sighs> I mean, let's be honest. The the uh, the gods will will screw me over. The last train, as Alex rightly said, is back up to London. is ten o'clock. Yeah. Um. So of course it will go hmm. to penalties. Um, Does it go all the way <laughs> this one, right? So there's no replay this time. Yeah. No. No replays right. off off of this. So extra time and penalties. Even though it's a seven fifteen kickoff, that will still probably cause me to miss the ten o'clock train. So I'll be um I'll be slumming slumming it. So yeah, one one all draw, and we'll sneak it on penalties. Yeah, sneak it on penalties. Good stuff. All right. Well, Alex, thanks for, for joining us. And obviously, we wish you and uh, Grimsby all the best for the rest of the season once Wednesday's out of the way, of course. No problem. Pleasure to see you all, gents. Lovely. All Cheers. right. Nice one. Thank thanks, you. Bye. That was Alex from uh, the DN35 Grimsby Town podcast. To finish up then, uh, just for the last sort of five, ten minutes, uh, a look ahead to next weekend's Premier League game against Leicester City, uh, a 530 UK time kickoff on Saturday. Um, Leicester, Alfie, seem to have been a, a proper mix of the sort of good, bad and ugly this season. What have you made of them? Yeah, I was actually just watching the uh, EFL Cup final before we started recording this and um, I was watching the trophy lift and Sky Sports showed that Southampton were playing Leicester on next Saturday and I, I actually winced. I was like, why you, you know, just please don't remind me. I've only just got home. Um, Leicester haven't been... No, I mean, I'm, I'm not hugely impressed by Leicester. They've obviously got mm. quality players, but it's a very similar situation to Southampton. They've actually they've, they've kept the continuity, they've kept their manager and they've tried to, to fight through it and as a result, they'll be, they'll be more than okay. But you'd like to think that with any game, you have a chance of winning. It's just, mm. I just, I don't want to think about it yet. And, and Glenn, I mean, they've got seven wins on the board, twenty-four points. They're in fourteenth, but as we kind of alluded to at the start of this podcast, that's only what three points above the relegation zone. So fair, yeah. fair to say, I suppose, in terms of you know, we're not starting to play teams that are on the beach already. I mean, they're they're in trouble still, and and, and going to need to be up for this as well. Yeah, they are, and it's been a very very bad season considering the the, the players that they've got. 
and the manager that Brendan Rodgers thinks he is. It, you know, they, they've not been particularly clever. They seem to have been very over-reliant on James Madison all of a sudden. Mm. In seasons gone by, they, they had, you know, other players chipping in, stepping up. And, and this year, when he hasn't played, they've looked very, very ordinary. Jamie Vardy appears to have kind of come to his natural end. I think he's sort of 35, 36 now. And well, I know he's next weekend. Yeah, probably, but he's not. Um, he's not in the team. And um, I noticed last week, Kalechi Iannaccio, who's a player that I really wanted us to mm. sign in January. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I've always thought he was decent since uh, since his Manchester City days. He's um, he's in the team now, you know, and they've they've got decent performers like Harvey Barnes, and they've signed a new winger in the in the um, it was one of those Ukrainian players who had his um, con- Brazilian guy who played in Ukraine who got his contract cancelled, and mm. they picked him up for nothing or something. Oh, so, Tete. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I forgot his name. So, uh, but Leicester have underachieved, and it's in the context of what we've got for the rest of the season. It's a game we've got to go and win. I mean, our, our, we're not going <laughs> to can't beat about the bush here. We, I th- have we won one at home all season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I mean, we got we got Leicester is the next home game, and then Brentford after mm-hmm. that, which I would suggest is is much more difficult, mm-hmm. and then Spurs is the mm-hmm. is the home game after that. So, in my mind, we've really got to win this one. It's it's the most in my mind. This is the most winnable out of the next th- out of the next three home games. And if we don't win any home games, then we're obviously completely stuffed. I'm I'm looking forward to it just for the way that, as we discussed earlier, how Ruben sets us up. Yeah, because if he picks Elianusi again, I might just stay in the pub. <laughs> and, and and Steve, I, I think Glenn's made a really good point there, and that's what I was going to ask you because you, you guys were obviously talking about it last week, weren't you, about the difference between setting up at somewhere like Chelsea and then how he might want to set up at St Mary's if they want to take the game to teams a little bit more and things like that. So I don't want to say, um, you know, what do you expect to see because I don't think any of us really know, but what do you hope to see? A bit more energy from the start. I mean, the idea that we might actually fancy scoring some goals. Um, that'd be nice. Um <laughs> <laughs> be, a, be, a, be a bit of a bonus, um, sort of, based on the last four months. Yeah, just just some intent. It's mm. the end of the day. There are there are teams in the Premier League who can hurt you. Who have there? The vast majority of them, Bournemouth accepted, are packed full of good players, mm. and on any given day, they can tear you to pieces. Regardless of whether we're whether we're picking um, the good defenders that we have, or whether we're picking Bednarek, mm. and. So yeah, occasionally you will come a cropper against against any one of these teams if you're not either if you're not on it or if if they turn turn in something special. Um it can happen. Leicester we Leicester we've seen can can turn it on. They beat Spurs 4-1 the other week. Um they're clearly no mugs um when when they fancy it, but quite often this season they haven't fancied it. And we've got a kind of I mean kind of hope that they're in that mindset of not really being up for it. And that, but that mindset for, um, from them probably comes from how we start the game and what team we pick and, and how it kind of appears as though we're going to set up. Because mm-hmm. if, we're, if we're setting up in the, with the same 11 that, we, that we've picked the last two games, then Brendan Rodgers is going to take one look at that team sheet. It's like, right, OK, these, these boys don't fancy it. Let's go at them. And at that point, we're in, we're in a whole world of trouble. Um, because as we say, they've got the players that can hurt us, Barnes, uh, Madison, Tielemans, Ian Acho, uh, Vardy if he plays, which I think is probably unlikely, and even Patson Dacker is is a good pl- is a good player when Leicester finally decide that they want to play to his strengths. Hmm. So they've got they've got the they've got the ammunition to be able to hurt us, um, but we've got to 
impose ourselves on the game and prevent them from kind of getting getting that foothold in the game. And for too often, we've not done that. We did it at Chelsea for the first hour. And at that point, we then kind of almost declared and and played for that 1-0. And I mean, at the end of the day, fair play, we, we got it done. A um, little bit of fortune, maybe. But I mean, I'd say it's a bit of fortune that we've not had for 90% this season. But it's, yeah, it's it's intent. And when you see that, in, when the fans see the lineup an hour before kickoff, they're going to basically have made their minds up on whether this game is going to be worth kind of even supporting in, in many ways. There will be a lot of people who, if we're setting up 4-2-2-2 with Elianusi and Stu Armstrong still, still getting a game after what they turned in yesterday, um, there's going to be a lot of people who either might just take the pragmatic option and staying in the pub and watching it. Um, or when they get to the ground, there's not going to be the enthusiasm. Whereas if there's, if there's changes to the, um, to the lineup and likely changes to the, to the, uh, tactical setup, then all of a sudden, okay, people think, right, they've thought about this this week. Let's, let's go for this and, and let's see what happens. And if we lose, we lose. Um, if we've, if we've tried something that's in an attempt to win the game, and we get picked off and, and Leicester win fair and square, fine. Um, it happens. It's um, You don't like losing, but at the end of the day, I mean, it's, it's a bit sort of another Simpsons meme, isn't it, here with that cake of at least you tried. <laughs> um, but I think fan, fans will always respect effort and some thought going into how they're, how they're trying to win a game, um, especially at the top level where the tactical innovation is so, is so important. Um, having those those sort of subtle tweaks and and things, and that's that's basically why Nathan Jones failed miserably because he didn't have anything beyond his very basic Championship Luton Town subset of of tactics. But Sellers has been around the block. He's he's obviously got good credentials as a coach. It's now up to him to come up with a tactical plan that is that is varied enough that's going to um, that's going to get past what is a pretty ropey Leicester defence. Glenn, just uh, to finish up then before we do our predictions, um, you know, like the Chelsea games, this is a chance for Saints to complete a, a, another Premier League double. Um, the, the, the point that Steve's made there, I think, I mean, you've obviously sat through the thick and thicker this season. Is is that kind of, you know, if the writing is on the wall, is that really what we want to see? Them almost sort of, I, I know it's easy to say play without fear, but almost try and unleash the shackles a bit and come out and not necessarily entertain, but at least try and play on the front foot. Absolutely. We've, we've tried keeping it tight when we, we don't do that. You know, we don't, we we lose every time we seem to try and do that. So, what's the other thing you can do? You can have a go. And if we look in all these games that we've lost one nil, if we'd lost a few of them four three, I think it'd be a little bit more palatable. Yeah, we'd be going okay. Our defending is comical, but at least we'd be having a go. At the moment, we're the worst of both worlds. We're not having a go, and we're losing anyway. Yeah. So, fourteen games, fourteen games to go. Have a go. What have you got to lose? I don't. I don't think anyone is expecting us. I don't think anyone, either outside of Saints fans or hardly anyone within Saints fans, is expecting us to stay up. And you, you just couldn't expect us to stay up, watching that rubbish that we saw on um, on Saturday and and some of the other games. I know it's different managers, but we have to do something different. Definition of madness to carry on doing the same thing, isn't it? And expecting things to change. It's just. It's just not going to. And teams aren't going to hand you games. You know, other other teams, as you get towards the business end of the season, like we've got a game against Bournemouth coming up, you would think, even though it will be a low-quality game, that they will be 
they'll have a lot more intensity about them because it's getting towards the end of the season. And we've got to prove that, as Steve said, we've got to prove that we can do that. And we, you know, horrible cliche time. It's 14 cup finals, isn't it? We've got to have a go in We've got to have a go in all of them. We've got to have a go in all of them. There's no point in turning up and just existing and then getting beat 1-0 because someone's chucked a goal in in the last 10 minutes, which, you know, has just happened far too often. So, yeah, long answer to a short question. Yes, we've got to have a go and be more yeah. attacking. Yeah, no, fingers crossed. All right, well, I can see Ellie's gone uh, 2-0 Leicester here. Um, Senken Tully 1 has gone Saints 2-1. An unlikely mass has gone 0-1 uh, loss, of course, which uh, I must say is what I'm going for. Um, let's uh, whiz round quickly and get some predictions then. Steve, what do you reckon for uh, Saints v Leicester? Um, I think if we open up a bit, then at least it'll be ent- at least it might be vaguely entertaining. <sighs> I just worry that we've got so much propensity to just fold at the back. Uh, so two two, two two. Glenn, um, because I've talked the merits of being <laughs> Four, positive three. and going for it, I've got to um, I've got to kind of have a prediction to match. So I'll go for a two one win. Two one win. All right, and Alfie to finish with you. Yeah, I don't know if uh, Ruben says obviously a massive Valencia fan, big big Valencia character. I don't know if they've ever played a four three three in their history, but I hope they have because it's a very simple four three three out there for me. Charlie Alcaraz, love your Warprowse in midfield, Adozi, Sulemano, and Onyemata in attack. There's no guarantee to score goals, but if they play that two one win, yeah. Good stuff. All right. Just finally, Alfie, I, I didn't want to end the pod without acknowledging um, Tyler Dibbling, who obviously signed his first professional contract for Saints earlier this week. Obviously, good news for the club, particularly after the, the recent departure of Jimmy J. Morgan. And I, I suppose for players like Tyler Dibbling, it's, it's now about the club proving to players like him that if they work hard and develop, there is that pathway to the first team. Yeah, and look, the young players have got to prove that they're capable of that as well. Don't forget, you know, the, the Premier League's are incredibly high level and just because he's a good lad at under-21s doesn't mean they're ready for the top level. And I think maybe that was something that Jimmy perhaps could have took on board a little bit as well. You, you know, you, you probably shouldn't be in the first team at the age of 17 years old. Uh, but Tyler's, you know, Tyler's quiet. Um, he'll, he'll care about his business as he does. And it is good to tie him up. He's obviously England Youth International. For games like Grimsby would be a chance to play these guys. But they've got a 30-man squad because of... Uh, a recruitment policy that, that hasn't quite worked this season and they haven't been able to shift the players that, surprise, surprise, nobody wants. So they've got too many players and they're going to have to play them. Otherwise, you're going to have a really unhappy camp. Um, so these guys, are, they're going to struggle for opportunities. You know, maybe I'm wrong and Ballard is up front on Wednesday. We'd all love to see that. But there's just so many players there that need to play games. I can't see it happening. So, yeah, you're going to have to sit down with them, have a serious conversation and say, look, this season's obviously been a bit of a disaster from, from top to bottom. But next year, there could well be even more opportunities than we'd have liked you to have, you know, potentially depending on where they end up. Okay, well, that's it for this week's episode of TSP. Don't forget that you can follow Total Saints Podcast on Facebook and Twitter. It's at Total Saints Pod. Our website, totalsaints.co.uk, includes a link to our online shop, Total Saints Icons. And you can also drop us an email to totalsaintspodcast at yahoo.com. We're also on Patreon, as I mentioned at the start, and we have four tiers ranging from £5 to £20 per month. Each of our tiers comes with its own perks, including weekly shout-outs, for those patrons in our Francis Benali or Mick Shannon tiers. So thank you to Dave Melton, Mark Atkins, Matt Hall, and per the introduction, Andy Hollis in the Francis Benali tier. And also to Colt Baker, Dave Ernsberger, Ed Busy, Nick Hinkston, Phil Cook, Matt Rose, and Nick Reed in our Mick Shannon tier. My thanks to Steve, Glenn, and Alfie. Thanks to all of you for watching and listening and for all your comments. Let's hope for three points against Leicester and an FA Cup win, and we'll see you all again next week. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. 
Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver-assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.